Hello, hello, hello. It's the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Gardy, coming in to record a podcast technically on my week off mm. because other people can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dale's nothing, looking furious. Nothing gets done that around here without me, does it? Joe. I mean, that's also rude because we've done loads without you <laughs> good, this week. Good, good, good. Just can't record a podcast. I've written three features. I've read them. You haven't. They're not oh, I up haven't. yet. <laughs> I, I can read docs. Matt, what have you done this week? I've been writing VO for a documentary that will one day come out. A oh, documentary. It's, big word. It's, it's very good. It's one. It's one of my favourite things that we've been doing. Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out. Um, but otherwise, been doing the news because that's that's my job. Mm-hmm. Um, been some news, hasn't there? That's yeah. that's what we're here to discuss. There has been some news. I've been. Enjoying my week off. It's been very nice. I've played a shitload of Fire Emblem. Good, I good choice. It four days ago, and I've already played twenty six hours. There was a good bit the other day where um, Matt had seen you tweet about it. Yeah. And then yeah. the next day they reduced it by five quid. It was like, <laughs> don't tell Cardi. Just <laughs> tonight. It's okay. Whack. I bought the Nintendo voucher off. Oh, you did what I you did. Get two games. For, I think it's eighty five. Yeah, you so save like right. so yeah, fifteen quid, saving. don't you? Overall, yeah. so, what are you? What are you going to buy with your second voucher? I think I'll wait till Pokemon. Right. Mm. Not gonna. Mm. I think I'm going to drop mine on on Astral Chain later today. Oh, yes, Ooh. mate. I, can't, I don't have time for both of those. But yeah, neither do I. But you know, something's <laughs> got to give, right? Yeah. If I suddenly stop coming to work, you know what happened? Mm. You've, you've been chained. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Been on a bit of a fancy binge. I've been playing Fire Emblem, watching Lord of the Rings. Been getting yeah back into my fantasy stuff. Yeah, good. Yeah. There's a show out this week you might want to watch. Oh, what's that called? That's called The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. That's more fantasy. on that later. Yeah, but first, yeah, Disney. They had a big old knees up. They did <laughs> the 23rd uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, Here's my ignorance. Yeah, don't ask. Called? I don't know. <laughs> Why is it called D23? Well, I'm, I'm, is it the... Twi- is no, it, no, no. It's D23 a, every year, Yeah, right? it's a name of something, but pff, it's like who it's knows? one of those Disney nerd things. Mm. You know people who go to the parks every two days and they're like, <laughs> yes. oh, I've seen another hidden Mickey. It's like, get a job. <laughs> I remember a few years ago where D23 was not even on my map as a thing, but mm-hmm. obviously yeah. now they have Marvel, Star Wars. Mm. It's more of a big deal. I guess it's like within the last five or six mm. years, right? We, that it's been should we start with all the Star Wars stuff well can we start first okay. with the fact that Disney Plus has a launch date fucking everywhere except here and we're not going to yeah, get it for another year well yeah Is surely it, that's it's a another bad... year no they've said probably well no they said hopefully 2020 hopefully. But, it, but it could be two to three years I've, oh fuck off I yeah. think this is a mad decision by them because people are surely not going to buy off like they'll reduce the amount of people they want because I'm not saying you should illegally get stuff, but if you're a Star Wars fan, you're you're not waiting that long to watch no, The wait, Mandalorian. Especially not on the internet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is one of those, it's like, am I going to have to buy a VPN for the first time to watch <laughs> the fucking Mandalorian? Yeah. And probably, yes, I am. Because The Mandalorian looks banging. It, oh, does. it does. I am big into that. And do you know why? I saw my boy IG-88. Oh, oh, he's good in that, isn't he? Fan. He's spinning around. I have a love-hate relationship with IGA because I love the little figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always loved him. I'm a big fan of the Bounty Hunters. You've got your Bosk mm-hmm. and you've got your... I've completely forgot the name of the other guy. Oh, I know. Oh, this is good. Do yeah. my head in. Oh, I don't learn names. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't matter right now. I tell you what, IG88, yeah. very, very good in the Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game. Is it? Really? Yeah, because... 
I'm pretty sure this is what he does. I'm fairly sure he can control like two sections of his ship independently because it's an AI. He's the opposite of a Pacific Rim. So effectively, yeah. <laughs> so you, so I think you can split him into two. That's cool. Yeah. I've only used him once, so it's been a long time ago since either. But I do remember IG8 being an absolute winner in that game. IG88, it's been a lot. My love hate relationships because I think he's a cool character. Yeah. I love him. But in the game Shadows of the Empire, Ooh. he's a fucker of a little boss. To is be. he? He was as a kid. Maybe if I played him now, I'd batter him. He's course, a little robot. Now there's more reason to love him because he's apparently played by Taika Waititi. Yes. Which is going to be and nuts. You know is never... he basically going to be like the new K2SO? Is he going to be like a back-talking I shit? think so. Because uh, I can't see Taika playing him as like a Korg. Yeah. Which implies he's going to be mean. Mm-hmm. You know what I'd love? Taika Waititi just playing him as like a absolute bastard and like not funny just yeah. horrible yeah that'd be really he's funny like, yeah you can't have iga in a korg style can no. you no no he's no. got to be a serious Surely not. Mm. but then k2so's like mean but he's funny. got quips yeah. yeah but he is a i think jerk. You, i think you've got to push him further yeah I think dengar his name's dengar mm-hmm. dengar oh, there we go <laughs> Ig, uh, Ig and and the yeah um the bounty yeah. crew the yeah. bounty crew <laughs> um we don't in that trailer, you briefly hear the Mandalorian speak. I think in Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, mm. I'm interested because in my head, he's going to sound exactly like Boba Fett. But I don't know if that's just the voice modifier on the helmet. He'll just have do. yeah, it'll be helmet noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's their way really of doing a Boba Fett series without it being Boba. Fett. Yeah, because I thought it was like uh, excuse do you think my ignorance reveal that it might be. I don't. Know. It's just that I had a certain amount of ignorance because it was like. It's it's a Star Wars Mandalorian show, yeah, and so I'm gonna be interested. So I hadn't really followed a lot. Yeah, I just assumed it was the Boba Fett show who's because the, who's the director that fucked it? Trank, Trank, yeah, yeah he <laughs> fucks everything. As he, it seems. I don't know whether it's his fault, and it might yeah, be really mean. Was he supposed to have the Boba Fett movie? He that was, was gonna be. He the was dirty attached. Dozen yeah, he was film, attached yeah. for the Boba Fett movie. Yeah. And then Fantastic Four happened, and yeah. then apparently he's a bit mad. <laughs> so yeah. that's a shame because Chronicles really good. Is he just going to have made one good film for his entire yeah, career? Probably. <laughs> Do we know when the Mandalorian is set in the Star Wars canon? Well, it's definitely like from the visuals of it. It's yeah. got to be between the two sagas, right? Because because I had it in my head that it was after Boba Fett dies. Spoilers for well, or does he die? He does. He um, yeah. So it most likely is not him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so you're, you're thinking after Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Thinking, yeah. It feels there. like IG-88 is the way that you invoke Boba Fett and mm. get people excited for a Boba Fetty thing without having to have him in it. Yeah. So you have this idea that IG-88 is going to be telling stories mm-hmm. or at least referencing yeah. that fact a bit. Almost, and then you kind of, you kind of have your cake and eat yeah. it. I hope it is the Bounty Hunter show I want it to be. Not like Dog the Bounty Hunter and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing, but maybe it I'd is. I'd say that. Yeah, yeah, some sort of reality show. So um, also, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, that was Werner Herzog in... He's in it. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Because he's, he's got the voice, like when he's talking mm. to him, he's got the, the, the Werner Herzog <laughs> voice. It's, kinda, it's got the vibes of what I want the Witcher show to be, almost like a Monster of the Week sort of yeah, thing. That's like he's it. on a mission each week that's it. to I get want, someone. I want just someone to do... X Files, yeah. but now because people Wars, keep being people think they're so clever with yeah. their arcs. Just give me little missions. I mean, we haven't seen any hint of it yet, I don't think. But I would love if yeah, Jabba's palace was in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's set after, obviously Jabba is. Yeah, no but more. that doesn't spoil us again mean. for Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Maybe that's just his house now. Yeah. But before Tuna Salacious Crumb, are they still around? They don't. 
I, don't, well, I suppose the barge goes down, doesn't the it? The barge yeah. does go down, yeah. I can't... Mm. I think Salacious Crumb can't die. Really? It's impossible to kill him. <laughs> Do you know, I once got kicked out of an assembly at school uh, when I was about eight or nine because I called the guy next to me Salacious Crumb and they thought I said something else beginning with a C. <laughs> <laughs> salacious? <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know, for a nine-year-old, using... Them thinking I was using the word salacious Correct. as a genuine yeah. insult. That's amazing. <laughs> it's quite impressive. But also, really as a nine-year-old, I genuinely wouldn't know what that word meant. No. Well, I think I was a late bloomer on the swearing. I don't think I, I, don't think I did. <laughs> I, I had a friend That's why called, I was very confused. <laughs> I had a friend called James Hunt, and he would walk around saying, do you know what the worst swear word is? It rhymes with my surname. And then everyone would just say letters of the alphabet, <laughs> and Hunt at the end, until he went, and that was it. Oh. Well, they literally had to get three letters in. Well... If you're a kid, sometimes you just go for whatever Double comes first. One. <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to go. <laughs> What's that? That's from the A. Well, how would you do, say it with a Z? Not a Z, an X. Junt. Uh, I'd go Junt. Hmm. Anyway, that's a good. That sounds like a Star Wars character. Shunt. It does. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I got reminded of Shunt from Robot Wars. Oh, mate. He was good. I'd love... He was no Sergeant Bash. No, no, not Bash. Who's Bash, though? No one's Bash. No, Boba Fett has kind of always had that Bash aesthetic. Well, he's got the flamethrower, right? Yeah, he's acting like Bash is the best one. Yeah. No, well, Dead Metal technically is the best one. He was to kill a lot. I'm a Matilda. (laughs) Matilda looks like a dinosaur, therefore (laughs) coolest. No, not for me. Was Matilda best when she had the chainsaw or the flywheel? Mm, Flywheel, I think. Right. Yeah, because it more accurately represents an elephant's tail. Yeah, yeah, I take that. <laughs> what was that? What? You the made a very robot. odd noise. House, house robots were always evil, though, weren't they? So you can never truly love them. Not to tangent on a tangent. Yeah. But recently, my girlfriend has taken to putting on live streams of uh, African wildlife reserves in our house when she wants to relax. <laughs> That's pleasant. And fuck me, it's fun watching elephants. <laughs> They're brilliant. I think it's called Africam. And you should go and watch Africam because... <laughs> Elephants hanging out and having wrestling matches yeah. is amazing. I did watch a little bit of Serengeti, uh, narrated by John Boyega. Did you? Yes, who is in Star Wars. You seem to have watched little but- bits of a lot of things this week. Oh, well, that wasn't this week. That was oh, a couple okay. of weeks ago. But yeah, John Boyega must have a big part to play in the Skywalker. I've forgotten the last Skywalker. No, Rise, Rise of, of Skywalker. Skywalker. The, okay, there's too many fucking names of Star Wars. I do things. keep going Rise of the Skywalker instead of the Rise of Skywalker, yeah. which is interesting. Mad. Anyway, um, yeah, John Boyega's in it. Will he actually have a part to play in this one? I this hope of so. note. Yeah, because let's face it, in the Last Jedi, he's he, kind of point. He's sidelined, very yeah. poorly underserved. In yeah, I, and I really like Last Jedi, but like I, his storyline is. Yeah, the unfortunate. I wanted, although I quite like his character, I did want him to just do that kind of kamikaze yeah. run because mm-hmm. at least he would have done and had a noble pub. That's and it. It kind of would end his story like he was. Well, he has he an arc. Good. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he just gets saved, and it's now like, oh, we're we gonna have more like, oh, who's Ray in love with again? Yeah. And I'm not into that side of it so much. Yeah, I, it was for a film that was quite. Um, brave in a lot of ways and again I really like The Last Jedi I'm surprised by how many people I really like it I do have a couple of problems with it but I like it more than a lot of people it it felt odd after a film that made a lot of decisions that were clearly going to make people upset to have something that's so pandering Mm. felt really at odds with the rest of it because you see him going into that scene you're like I'm about to cry and it's going to be so worth it and then you're like oh (laughs) and now it's a love interest as well and you're like 
great. It's just yeah. some more Star Wars. It was a bit weird. Mm. But The Rise the of Skywalker new, otherwise. Yes. Looks interesting. Yeah. Is anyone buying Ray being a Sith? Nope. No, I no but, want, this is, but I do want it because that's what I wanted in the Last Jedi. I, yeah. I thought ever since this new trilogy started, that it would be cool if ultimately Kylo and her swap places mm-hmm. and Kylo saw sense. Mm-hmm. I now feel like it's likely he may see sense and turn out to be good in the end, like a Darth Vader sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I think she will end up being good. Well, that's it. If they get given a new antagonist, like if the Emperor's back. Which I, I don't think just, he is. He's going to be a ghost. I think form. he's a Sith ghost. But yeah. there's lots of people going, well, in the extended universe, the Emperor secretly kept himself alive through an endless number of clones, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So some people are like, the Emperor's going to be in it. But it also then, begs like, the question of like, where's he been for the last two films? It also begs the question of, do we get Palpatine back to play him? Do we have the man who went, do it, do it, do it. If he says that in the film, I'm going to lose it. I mean, that would be amazing. I would be super into this film if yeah. they had the Emperor jet back just as they do it. Yeah. So do we think that that double hilted lightsaber that has a weird hinge on it, which I'm not big into, she doesn't is just sense. bullshit? Uh, I don't know if it's bullshit. I feel like it could be a force projection or someone's mind being messed with. So and could- that's that's not unprecedented for this series, right? Because all of the there were a lot of teases for when we we're going into the Last Jedi about the whole idea of like. Uh, Ray and Kylo properly joining forces, and yeah, she was yeah. going to turn to the dark, and that never turned out uh, to be the case. Fight where, yeah, yeah. And considering we know the Knights of Ren are in this one, yes. And considering we know they've got crazy lightsaber stuff, and mm. considering that we also know that they're Sith people, that could easily be someone like tricking someone into seeing themselves as Ray. What if Ray was a Knight of Ren and she lost her memory? That would be quite cool. I'd like yeah. that. Yeah, mm. it'd be very nice I'd to the old republic. republic now. It would be that quite nice to the old republic. That'd be good. Mm. Mm. Maybe that is it. Have we cracked? The <laughs> mm. Was she evil before and now she's nice? Maybe yeah, she got mind wiped or something. Or I mean, they they have said that they will address the parentage, right? Mm. And yeah, it, it may well be that her parents were nothing, but just because her parents were nothing doesn't mean that she wasn't an absolute badass. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. she, imagine, like, she was just like a 10-year-old Sith just fucking wrecking up the galaxy. <laughs> Younglings. <laughs> uh, that would be really good. JJ, if you're listening, call us. We'll yep. keep your secret shtum if you pay us a great <laughs> deal of money. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. There's not much more to say. There's only really that. There was a couple of cool shots like those, the um, Star Destroyers oh, lining yeah, up. That looks There's some really great looking I love the resistance seemingly using the like coloured powder um, mm. fireworks like mm-hmm. in uh, Mad Max. Yeah, right. that would be great if that's it's lots gonna of it. be a good looking film. I'm holding out hope they'll be good because I have no reason to believe it won't be. I put like there's a lot of worry about this film, but Force Awakens and Last Jedi lead me to believe that this is going to be a good film. So yes. why should I not? Be and it's excited? only what four months away. It is point? mad because because of Star Wars oversaturation for the last yeah. couple of years it does feel like it's snuck up and people mm-hmm. are talking about it and that's really cool because mm-hmm. it's going to feel like such a Christmas treat when that comes out yeah oh. oh oh do you know what else is a Christmas treat for Americans yeah Disney Plus yes <laughs> it is not for us because we have no idea when we're getting it no and it's not fair no we're back on this again <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> but I have to say I just looked out of interest 
I hadn't really paid attention to it because I knew it wasn't coming and I didn't want to make myself upset. Mm. And I look at the day one lineup. It's not very good. Well, especially as we've learned. Is it just The Mandalorian, basically, and some other... The Mandalorian... You get all the films, The world... Not all of them. Really? So, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Mm, That's like him doing National Geographic. Sounds like the kind of the end point of the joke. Yes. Which, to be fair, we are a major part of. (laughs) Uh, And there's a few new kids shows... So not even like I there's only said, you're not getting all the Star Wars films on there or anything. Uh, the first six Star Wars films: Force Awakens and Rogue One. So no Solo, no Last Jedi. That's bizarre. There's only four Marvel films on there on day what? one: Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man three, and Thor two. That's a <laughs> sorry. Mad. What? Yeah. Is it because Netflix still holds some of those for a I while? I think it could be that. It could also be that they're just going to drip feed. Yeah. Um, just because Disney's going streaming doesn't mean they're not going to still we, do the Disney mm. vault in some way. We're not getting like all the old like Snow White and Beauty and the Beast. I think and- all of Pixar bar, bar Toy Story 4 is on there. And okay. I'm not sure how much of the Disney canon. That will be interesting to see because for new re- like Toy Story 4, will that come to Disney Plus the same day it comes to Blu-ray or will it be delayed? So Avengers Endgame is coming a month after the service starts, which implies okay. a certain amount of time since DVD yeah. Blu-ray because yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't bring it on day one no unless they were doing a timed thing from home ends mm. so I think they're still going to do a cadence of cinema home ends yeah. streaming which I don't think is the worst mm. thing I'm not super bothered but by the that the one thing the news that uh kind of made me notice it a bit more was the fact that stuff like the mandalorian is weekly it's not all dropping yes in one go which kind of goes against what we're used to now for Netflix style mm. things I, if I owned it yeah I'd actually be really happy because yeah. I love a weekly drop like mm-hmm. there's something really exciting about it and it, you know if you still if you're going to be one of the people who most likely will be me that's Disney Plus and Netflix in tandem yep Netflix you can do all your binging as normal and they're going to step up their game to yeah. compete with Disney yeah well, and then Disney scores easy film exactly <laughs> and then Disney oh, did you see the Empire cover yeah that's nuts <laughs> go look three at, and a half hours that film go I look at wait. the cover of Empire it's pretty great <laughs> um, and and then having the Mandalorian as like a drip feed of like an actual serial in the old sense like yeah. that's quite nice it's also all- Disney very being very savvy there where they know that people subscribe to a month of Netflix when there's a show dropping they want and then they don't come back oh, for four months. That'll yeah. take you up two and a half if it's ten episodes two and a half months so that's, that's three months of sub yeah, yeah. yeah. is it uh is it ten episodes, Mandalorian? I don't, I'm get like because I know guessing. they've said all the Marvel shows are six episodes, oh, okay. which I really like because yeah. then it's like you're getting contained. I think we were talking about this. You're getting this contained. It is just a big movie, yeah. and that's really good. That's all you want out of MCU is like lots of events in one place mm-hmm. that affect everything else that comes after that. They do need to have more coming though, because if it's just a week, you can't then have after the Mandalorian finishes a month gap until the next series it I needs don't to, think one needs happen. to end one needs to start and then they just like, they need to have one big thing on the go at all points yeah. don't they but then they prob- they're probably timing things like you know a big Marvel drop yeah. or as in Marvel film drop like you'll just drop something yeah. that people mm-hmm. haven't been able to watch well, and there's all the streaming. new Marvel series they just announced such as Mate. Moon Knight yeah which Ooh. I don't know a lot about as a character I know 
he's someone who's interests me, but I've never read any of his stuff. And I've always liked his design. It was pretty cool. Matt, do you have any info about Moon Knight? He's for very us? dark. He's sort of a mentally disturbed superhero. That's why he appeals to me. He's mm-hmm. like Batman with the mind of Joker. Yeah, yeah, to a degree. Like, uh, so is he a hero or an anti-hero? He's both, baby. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's like the Punisher. He's, uh, okay. I, I guess you consider him an anti-hero, but he's not. I don't think he's ever worked for the side of evil okay. in the way that certain anti-heroes, like like a. Mm-hmm. A Venom is definitely mm-hmm. a villain that turns slightly yeah. heroish. Um, the interesting thing is, is kind of I think there's always been this assumption that you would have to make an R-rated Moon Knight mm-hmm. film or you know series. TV series. When obviously everything on Disney Plus is a PG-13, right? They've made a, is that a thing? I think the the or at least for as far as it's either Marvel or Disney Plus. There's a commitment from Disney yeah. in some ways that they won't make things that are higher rated than PG-13. Mm-hmm. You do have to remember that PG-13 stretches quite a distance yeah. in America. Well, I was saying, like I said, I was watching Lord of the Rings. I was nine when I saw the Fellowship yeah. of the Ring at the cinema, and that is dark and scary. It's got times. a very grisly decapitation scene in it, hasn't it? I loved it. Yeah. It shaped me to the man I am today. <laughs> oh, so I'd be interested to know if, if like, Daredevil is a PG-13 in uh, America. It would have been, yeah, because um, they say the word. Di- shit yeah. <laughs> uh, I found well, earlier I was trying to show you a thing to do with the game later on okay which actually I need to separate out so you don't see yeah. the answers uh, yeah. the I saw a screenshot from Daredevil that was um, uh, <laughs> me watching it with subtitles it's from series one I'd completely forgotten the detective says to someone a couple of dipshit brothers no one gives a wank about <laughs> no one gives a wank <laughs> like, A that's in Daredevil and B what does give a wank mean? <laughs> I mean, means something very different. Well, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could, I, I, I could show you. My, one yeah. of my favourite um, panels from a, um, from a, actually a Daredevil comic is Daredevil hitting. Um, Oh yeah, <laughs> Fisk with his Billy Batten. Um, oh, I've seen this. And he just says wank. <laughs> Speaking of comic panels and Moon Knight, yeah. Uh, I was until the announcement completely unaware that the very famous panel of Moon Knight where he's walking down some stairs and saying, hey, Dracula, you big fucking nerd, where's my goddamn money, isn't real. I genuinely thought, I've seen it posted so much that I was like, people aren't saying this like in a meme way. So I just thought that's what he was like. And now I'm really sad he's not. I mean, he's not a million miles away. What what are his powers? (sighs) Is he got I mean, a big, am I right to think he's got a big sword? Or if I made well, that up completely? He's, he's given powers by like an Egyptian yeah. god. So he's like, he's got all sorts, it seems. He's mm. a pretty varied dude. Yeah. Mm. He's also, you know, like his best stuff was from the Marvel Knights run, which yeah. is where all of like Daredevil's best stuff came mm. from. He's but, of that Punisher kind of canon. So yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't strike blows lightly let's be interesting say. to see how many of these Marvel series are more like period pieces could be hard to have someone that powerful and then just not be even referenced in the films well this I've, this is something that we've just got to like put by the side isn't it for because like there's a lot of oh well if Captain Marvel is so good why has she never been mentioned before and it's like we've got to at some point accept that they're not going to reference the entire Marvel yeah. universe until we make them. Captain Marvel because she's off on other planets mm-hmm. and it's only really Nick Fury knew about yeah. it. But Moon Knight, if he's doing stuff in a city on Earth, people are going to take notice, aren't but they? But remember that these characters could be created 
in origin story for mm-hmm. these things so you get this sense that like maybe they weren't talking about them because they literally I'm not saying exist. like previously why have they never mentioned I'm saying like going forward in Marvel but, films are they going to have to make but a- they've made a really big point of saying that these are a part of the MCU yeah, yeah. now so whereas, I can see that yeah. I can guess mm. they will mm. whereas so Daredevil Jessica Jones um, Nick Cage Punisher all of those so they sorry Luke Cage um <laughs> Well, Nick Fury and yeah. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Luke. Don't watch that. That's, watch a, that's a good team up, isn't yeah. it? But so all of those are MCU canon things. But the reason why they chose those characters is because they could stick them effectively in one section of New York, mm. and it never. Even though the films are referenced in those TV shows, they never have to worry about them bleeding the other way, yeah. right? They were nicely contained. Whereas the, all the characters they're choosing now are very clearly filmic characters mm-hmm. and there is going to be a back and forth between them and sort of like I think we've already spoken on the podcast about how the WandaVision TV show is going to be the thing that turns mm. Wanda Maximoff into Scarlet Witch and Scarlet Witch will then appear in, in a Multiverse film, yeah. of Madness mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I should say Abilities of Moon Knight Expert Detective Batman Proficient in Martial Arts and Armed Combat Batman Increased strength, endurance, and agility depending on the lunar cycle. Ooh, not quite Batman, but he does only operate at night, really. It's a bit so. more um, original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. weirdly. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, so that's your Moon Knight. But there's also She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel. Yes, Marvel. She-Hulk, I know bugger all about. I oh, don't know anything about She-Hulk. Bruce, Hulk. Bruce Banner's cousin, I think. Okay. And, Do you uh, think they'll go with that route in this, though? I, I really hope so. Mm. Like, what's the what's the... It's one of those that what's the point? If you've got her in it, you've got to establish the connection. Is She-Hulk mm. permanently green? Um, or does she, she turn back and now. forth? Because uh, well, obviously she? they now have to reckon with the fact that Bruce Banner worked out how to make himself yeah. Smart Hulk. Mm-hmm. So if he knows that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then so it's it's been again like I, I I've read quite as I think it's fairly obvious. I've read quite a lot of Marvel stuff, but very often I've read them years maybe yeah, even a yeah, decade yeah. ago so I'm pulling from very deep memories but I think that She-Hulk is made by injecting herself with Bruce Banner's blood for either for some sort of medical process or mm-hmm. something like that but um, she's super smart because she's a lawyer by day oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and She-Hulk I say by night she's still She-Hulk in the day she goes to court in green yes. with a cool sort of trouser suit on um, yeah I imagine that being kind of like a really cool legal drama but she bashes people in sort of the judge up yeah sort of like (laughs) if daredevil had a sense of humor okay Hmm. i'm into that and Uh, then ms marvel is a thing that i love which is yeah very well relatively recent must be five years ago now i guess was in when kamala khan became in 2012 or 2013 i think it was yeah Hmm. Yeah, one of i think the best moves that marvel has made in decades basically um so good she is such a good character, but also I think it's beautiful how this has all worked out because we've obviously had all the horrible sort of news of we've lost Spider-Man, he's no longer in the MCU. The wonderful thing about Ms. Marvel is the reason why she was introduced to the Marvel Comics universe is effectively like they've been using Spider-Man for so long as this whole thing. He's the everyman, he's what our audience sort of like relates yeah. to. That's not true of like Marvel comics readers anymore because mm. it's now such a diverse world and you know more people are reading comics than ever before that actually it made sense that the nerd that got bullied a bit at school that got to become really cool is someone from a more minority background yeah. because nerds aren't the minority yeah. anymore yeah. and don't... her story is she's just a big big fan oh, of yeah. she yeah. adores yeah. them yeah, yeah there's a really really good comic run where she is just teamed up with Wolverine yeah and Wolverine's just like why, why have we got this little kid with me yeah. but like she adores him and he's just following him 
around like yep. big wide eyes. I'm right in thinking she's a she's a stretchy person. She is an inhuman, technically. Yeah, yeah, and mm. she's just she embiggens yeah. herself. I believe is the she phrase they use. Big fists and stretchy arms. And do you think the inhumans are coming back then? <laughs> I fucking that hope TV not. Show is not. No, no way. <laughs> I hope. That that issues the issues with Wolverine because it's got Lockjaw in it, who's the big dog from Inhumans. Yes. I sort of would like to see that done on screen. Probably. I could see them do Lockjaw yeah. because, yeah, like, who cares? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. But like, I don't like fuck Black Bolt and Medusa. I feel like, yeah, these series they've had their chance. These series are a good chance for them just to try some weird stuff. Just, yeah, yeah. Well, and Ms. Marvel more than the rest seems like it has the chance to be the weirdest because broadly so much of her run or at least the bits I've read is a comedy mm-hmm. and is a comedy about like it's almost a fish out of water comedy yeah. but she is also the biggest fish yeah. <laughs> like it's really I'm weird I'm kind of done with origin stories as a rule in superheroes but hers would be a fun one to do yeah. as a whole series well, also really. hers if I, I, it's been a while since I read it but hers really kicks off quickly as well it's done it's, in an issue basically yeah, it's basically like mm. it's happened mm-hmm. and now I get to be friends with the <laughs> Avengers like it's really fun yeah it's very silly yeah, and it's the one and the other thing is is like I see this as being their sort of Buffy the Vampire Slayer it's, yeah. it's, it's got the chance to have that humour on top of mm. the you know there'll obviously be all the morality tales mm. of like what it means to be a superhero yeah. and you know what it means to be representative I wonder if Whedon will be tempted to come back to Marvel maybe a series did he leave or did they make him leave and also isn't he a wrong and now is he I mean he's Ooh, he's not stories. been nice to previous partners no. and stuff like that get his brother in he's still <laughs> fine he's got uh, Whedon's doing HBO anyway he's got he? a, yeah he? he's got a show on the go there so we'll see if he's still good what I would be <laughs> super excited to see and it's far enough down the line that this feels like it could be possible if they put in the the groundwork is you actually do have that drop-in teamwork aspect. Mm. Like, people from the films just pop in for an episode and yeah. just have one little like, adventure. Surely it's hard to do She-Hulk without Mark Ruffalo making a, a sort, yeah. I'd a like, sort of yeah, appearance. Absolutely. Like, I think well, the thing is with that, you just need to get Ruffalo in to film a load of scenes, but you then disperse them across yeah. the yeah. 10 episodes or whatever. Even if it's like via a phone call, like a video yeah. call, you have mm-hmm. him like Yeah, drop he'll in. definitely be in She-Hulk. Mm. I'm, I'm super excited because the first one's Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier, right? Yeah. And that's mm. next year. I'm really excited to see how filmic they look. Yeah. Because that's the, the litmus test is that first mm. one, does this feel like a TV show or mm. does this feel like a prestige yeah. long film? Mm. And it's also like, if you look at the trailer for The Mandalorian, you could mistake that it for like a, a Star, Star Wars, Wars movie. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? It looks in the same way. Remember when, like, Band of Brothers, when you used to watch that oh, as a kid, like, God. that looked like it was Saving Private Ryan. It didn't mm. look like a TV show. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that's what we get. Because if, if, if that's not what Disney can do, then what good are Disney? Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> what's yeah. the point in monopolizing yeah. the entire world? Uh, have we got any more D23 announcements to I, talk about? Not off the top. Well, there's the Obi-Wan news. If you want Oh, to. shit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. Yeah. Do you have people a huge... Are very, people are very excited about this. I personally think Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan was fine. He was perfectly fine. People seem to now... I don't know if it's just a sudden thing. So I've had Seem this, to think yeah. that he was like the best thing I about think these films. Also the weird thing of people a few years younger than all of us at this mm-hmm. table yeah. had a much more... V- positive response to Star Wars because it was their Star Wars. I, yeah. I kind of, I was just on the edge of that. So I remember yeah. like when I first saw those, I thought they were fine. Yeah, I don't get, but yeah, I never thought, I don't get me wrong, I love Obi-Wan as a character, yeah. but I never thought Ewan McGregor what a perfect piece of casting. No, but he I was, think once he, was he, fine. once he had the beard, by the yeah. third one, I was like, you know what? 
this feels like yeah. the character I wanted him to be. I was but kind of into what, that. Do we think this series is going to be it's him going into hiding? <laughs> well, it's eight years after Revenge of the Sith, which is the yeah. details they've announced either today mm. or yesterday. Um, is Grievous back? So, God. <laughs> I know I know that that's the sort of news that Jesse would be into because it's that sort of Jesse, you know, his Star Wars is the, the yeah. prequel stuff, but not for me. Like... <laughs> Stormtroopers look like a specific version of a stormtrooper to me, and the universe looks <laughs> yeah. much dirtier. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing that. Yeah, I don't don't know if the story of him going into hiding is necessarily what I want. Like, yeah. I, I'd still like a much more sprightly Obi Wan because mm-hmm. I sort of want to see what Obi Wan was like at that time without horrendous, awful dialogue, without yeah. you know the ham. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I say I don't really know because I've not got. Can always that be more of a. It almost like a spy approach to it kind of he's just sneaking around trying to find info on what's going on with this because he'll be empire and he'll be like the last of the jedi at this point right yeah the last so, well, him and the lad from jedi fall and, and, Order. Yeah. and well yoda's in hiding as well isn't yeah he? so oh, shut up, is he yeah. gonna go to dagobah and uh, say hello to yoda not. i don't want that <laughs> leave yoda out of it he's a ghost yeah. and he's good yeah that's not I'm, i am intrigued to see what that one will be yeah because i can't believe as well like I'd like some of these series to maybe just be one or two series long and they're done. Mm, like, yeah. are they going to attach Ewan McGregor for like six seasons of Obi Wan? I don't. I, I hope not. I hope one and done. Yeah, That'd be one. Great. And, yeah, if it ends with him on Tatooine, yeah, that, mm-hmm. I'll be perfectly happy with that. Like, yeah, is it, has it been confirmed that it's called like Obi Wan: A Star Wars Story? I don't know. Because like, if they use that kind of like, I like the idea of like we get a Star Wars story yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like yeah. and that means that maybe the Mandalorian does eventually become Boba Fett a Star Wars story and mm. then we'll get so how far do we go to this do they have Leia in and then we see Kylo get born and do we I don't know like, I don't know it's, uh, oh that's how what I, am I on about I would I would <laughs> completely got it mixed up I would like to see sort of like the turning point for yeah. Kylo Ren like I'm not I'm always someone that prefers the mystery to remain for certain yeah. things but actually seeing Luke be a proper mentor to someone and that relationship breaking yeah. down would be yeah I've got that you know, for a I've five episode thing wrong would anyway. be like, my, my nice fascinating yeah. I can't see a Star Wars story being mentioned all I can see is people going he's definitely going to fight Darth Maul again <laughs> so yeah I've seen mm. a lot of that yeah there well, we go well that's all wrapped up under control Next, control. <laughs> Poor one from me there. Yeah, five out of ten, uh, fumble. Well, do you know what isn't a five out of ten control? No, it's an absolute hell. banger. So me and Matt have finished the main story. I have not. We so won't spoil it. There's no spoilers worry. coming. We're not going to spoil the story. Um, but, oh, it's a good game. Yeah. And we've already kind of talked extensively because we got to play the first half of the game pretty yeah. much when we went to Finland. And it it's consistently good throughout i can yeah. report well that's so and the, there's a certain one and a half missions near the end oh, it's, which it's got a, an very very good well yeah one you've intrigued me by mission. saying yeah you've intrigued me by saying it's up there with uh clockwork mansion effects, effects and cause yeah. like silent cartographer it is now for me in the canon of yeah. the best missions ever made yeah. shit and it's only i would say yeah it's about a five minute section that's proper like what you want when you first saw the trailers that sort of like mm-hmm. it's yeah they've seen Inception <laughs> <laughs> but we won't spoil that because I don't want to spoil it for people because it's saying I be... would beat you up yes uh, I th- can report though that although the story didn't blow me away how it ends I feel like it does a very good serviceable job yeah it's always it's always tricky to end something as high concept as that I think and they I wasn't 
I didn't end and feel disappointed in any way, which is a good sign. The question I remember us leaving on it on after our IGN mm. first stuff was, does it get weirder yeah. from where we were? And it does. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like the middle section, it kind of plateaus a little bit mm-hmm. and you're kind of going through grey corridors for a bit and you're waiting for the next big weird section. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a couple of bits near there at the end of the game where it gets there and it's good. Nice. And yeah, there's two big expansions planned as well paid for so they'll build out story obviously yeah and they're in insta buy for me yeah. like i it's it's been i think I, I think it's been quite a decent year for games i think we've had some really good mm-hmm. like you know going back we had resident evil 2 and then Sekiro and stuff like that but may cry which yeah. i'd forgotten all about yeah <laughs> yeah we, so we have genuinely had bangers this year but like the last couple of weeks for me have been Fire Emblem and Control. Yeah. Both of them are like my... They, they are now head-to-head for Game of the Year. Oh, same for me. The yeah. thing mm. with Control, though, is that like it does so many really, really good things with either things that it comes up with itself. Like, I say it comes up with itself in video game form. Like, I haven't seen like this weird X-Files-y... SCP, is it? The- yeah, SCP is the kind of... If you don't know, it's a wiki... It's a community create a curated wiki of basically like spooky stories Mm -hmm. but it's about a containment facility that holds lots of strange objects and strange phenomena Mm -hmm. within it which is essentially the federal bureau of control and so it's kind of turned that into a video game and i've not really seen that before Mm. in games but in things that it it builds on so it builds on like max Payne's combat system and what it does it sort of rejects the idea it's not a bullet time game there's actually there's no slow-mo in it the first remedy game since what's the death rally death rally yeah. With no slow mo because we went to, to, as a peek behind the <laughs> corner. We pitched a big thing uh, for IGN first that was why is Remedy so obsessed with slow motion? And we were like, we're going to make this amazing yeah. like mini documentary about there. why they're obsessed. <laughs> they get their player. It's like there's, there's no, no sl- fucking <laughs> slow mo in it, so we just had to scrap all our plans. <laughs> but there is some great abilities. Like I use launch is one of them. Oh, yeah. So good. Like I yeah. use that more than the gun. So the thing I love about launch is that so. Let's wind back to 2004 when I first played Half-Life 2. I was blown away playing Half-Life 2 about the fact that fucking everything in a room was A, a weapon, and B, if it wasn't being used as a weapon, it would probably explode or fall over or Mm -hmm. crash. Launch does that, but on a scale of, like, times 20. Yeah, so So launch is just where you take an item in the world or even just a bit of rubble from the floor if there's nothing around. That's my favourite thing about it. an enemy. It's It's beyond gravity gun in its usefulness in as much as... If there is nothing to grab yeah. onto, she just rips a yeah. bit of wall and I upgraded it out. so much that basically it was just insta-kill every yeah. time I chucked it at someone. Yeah. And there I was are some really it. nice bits with it where, like, if you are pulling a section out of the wall, you know how kind of like, it'll draw like a little outline of what it's going to pull? Yes. Mm-hmm. And like, if it's deep in the wall, you get that bit where like the wall erupts outwards and it's like pulling bones out it's of the structure so of the building. Good. It's, like, it's the, 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 very impressive. The, I mean, it's... I have a couple of very boring technical things to say. <laughs> is One is that feeling of they've built a world that has more behind it, yeah. like that you could rip out and see. I haven't felt like that since Red Faction. Mm-hmm. And it's not, red, you can't blow up everything that's not yeah. Red Faction, but this feeling that there are textures and layers behind yeah. those textures is great. Secondly, there's something, they've absolutely nailed the timing behind launch in as much as absolutely. you, well, in the speed of it, but also in the, shoot, 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 run out, then you have launch, you Mm -hmm. throw that, by the time you've thrown that, your gun's probably refilled, you're shooting again, by the time that runs out again, you've got launch again, and it feels like as soon as you've got that rhythm, you're just constantly able to kill stuff, and it, like, 
it's peerless. Like this is why Remedy is so well beloved for their action mm. games, and it's why it was so unfair that Quantum Break got ignored because it had the same thing where you were just rolling through your abilities, and it just feels amazing. Mm. I can't wait for you to finish it so we can properly oh, man, talk about. Yeah, it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really yeah. Uh, and the good really thing shaky. is, in this era of long, long games. About ten hours, maybe for the story. For the story yeah, yeah. There's but, a lot of side stuff mm-hmm. to do, which is and I've died a lot of the weirdest. Stuff. Yeah, some of the more challenging stuff, some of the weirder stuff can be found in the side missions. Like mm-hmm. I've just found a room that just has a jukebox in a cage, and I have no idea how to get in there. But mm-hmm. I really want to know why it's so un- unaccessible. Maybe that is part of the expansion. Maybe they're just teasing it. There. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I want to see what that does. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're going to do with the DLC specifically, but mm. a really fun thing that we never actually got to... Maybe we need to go back and look at our footage, because this was a really back. good bit. Um, uh, Mixu, the director, when we mm. talked to him, brought, we kind of had this little chat where we went, well, what do you do with Control? Because his whole deal is the idea of Control, it was built as a place first, and then they put a story inside it. So yeah. the story you're playing is just one they made up to mm-hmm. fit that world they'd created. And his idea is, well, we could make other games set in the world of Control, and they don't have to be Control again, yeah. and they don't have to be shooting games. And that might go for uh, go for the DLC, but it could also go for future games. And, like, I love the idea that they're just going to sit in the world of Control for a while and, like, yeah. mess with the parameters of what that mm. could be it's so exciting I'm up for it if you're not playing Control play Control <laughs> you, the so you just put me off there sorry yeah uh, I'm just trying to skip the next thing you know on the what? list because we've this, run over oh okay in this like building of Control there's lots of weird objects do you know what I wouldn't be surprised to find there a big old dark crystal wow <laughs> <laughs> you've watched you've both pretty much watched the first episode of Dark yeah. Crystal yeah so just before we came in here actually I was because it's only uh, dropped today um, on Netflix and yeah so I've been watching the first episode but Joe got to watch it yeah. and you saw it come tell yes. me on a base level so I've never actually seen the Dark Crystal film mm-hmm. I've obviously seen Muppets I've seen mm-hmm. Labyrinth loads of times for some reason as a kid I never watched the Dark Crystal mm. what is this world uh, it's it's a very oldie worldy fantasy world from, from the outside Again, to go back to it, it kind of looks like Muppets Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's got a lot of that to it. Yeah. And it's like a surprisingly dense... I haven't seen The Dark Crystal since I was a child. And even then, it's not something that like I carry with me as a, a cultural touchstone. So I didn't mm-hmm. remember much of it. And the first one of the first things this series does is so, a man just talks you through what the world is made up of and all the different clans okay. of Gelflings. Almost akin to how Galadriel so, at the start of Lord of the Rings explains yeah. the alliance of men and elves and all of so that. So it's not reliant on you seeing the film. No, so no, this no, is no, a prequel. No. This oh, is okay. really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get this like, oh, sh- if you go in thinking like, oh, it's fluffy Muppets, like funny stuff. Mm. And then it's like, here's all the Gelfling clans and their association with you know, all this stuff. So like, is it funny or is it quite dark in tone? Oh, so... so the the film is quite grim. Okay. Um, I was reading our review, um, which says that this is darker than the film. So yeah, no, wow. this is genuinely a serious dark fantasy. Just it's made with Muppets. Yeah. Okay. I uh, say Muppets. They're they're not actually is the it Muppets like, are a series of characters. Is but, it like Labyrinth? Are there actual human characters, or is it all no. puppets? It's yeah, all it's puppets. all puppets. Okay. Uh, and it is like I mean we've talked about this on the podcast before, yeah. so I won't go too much into it. But it's it is amazing to see something that's still made with like the old style mm. like and there's a there's they've put layers of extra work on top of it and like wide shots occasionally have cgi but yeah. it is 80 90 percent puppet work and mm. 
it's nuts that they've bothered. It's <laughs> like, a whole lot of puppetry. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and like, it's really, it's fascinating to watch just from a technical perspective. Yeah. You're just like, how the fuck did they do that? Well, why listen to us talk about it when, <laughs> Matt, you talk to a certain gentleman responsible for a lot of it? Yeah, Brian Froud. So Brian Froud is, uh, he... He worked on the original Dark Crystal and he designed... A, well, he was originally an, an illustrator that created, like, weird fantasy creatures. And then Jim Henson brought him on to do the Dark Crystal, created all of these fantastic characters. And, you know, he's still around today and still basically wanted to work with them on this sequel. They approached him and was like, we're doing a 10-episode Netflix thing. And he was like, yep, sign me up. Mm. And, you know, he's politely speaking getting on a bit and I find it amazing that it's not just like he came back to consult he designed everything in not just it's not like an hour and a half film this is a 10 hour yeah. epic and so that's why it looks exactly like the original but with all the technological yeah. advancements so yeah I sat down for quite a while to discuss <laughs> as much as I can about puppets and yeah. stuff discovering the fact that his wife is also in the business his son's in the business they've had influence on certain puppets you might know as well mm, a nice little tease that wasn't <laughs> wow. it I'm sure he's a very interesting man why not find out now So I'm joined by Brian Froud. Hello, Brian. How Hello. are you doing? And uh, Brian is the original uh, designer and creator of the Skeksis, the Gelflings, and many other creatures from the Dark Crystal back. I mean, the film came out in 1983, but I suppose you started design a lot earlier than that. Yes, um, we had the luxury of um, spending quite a long time on that, that film, and it took us five years that is a significant amount of time, which obviously you will get out of a Jim Henson project because they are, not only are they large and complicated, but they're one of those things that I always got the impression that everything, you waited until it was ready to be done rather than rushing things through. Well, we were pioneering at the time mm -hmm. and nobody had ever done anything quite like it. And Jim was pushing the boundaries about what he thought puppets could do. Um, and oddly enough, luckily, he was very successful of doing... Um, the Muppet Show, that was going really well. But because of that, he, they, he was asked to do Muppet movies. And so that got in the way of us actually just doing our film. But the gift was it gave us extra time to really figure out what we were doing because we really didn't <laughs> know at the time. Um, you know, so reluctantly, we did bring it all to screen at the last minute. <laughs> And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, because obviously it has, uh, there are multiple generations of people that grew up with this film, um, but there is a brand new generation that are about to be introduced to um, the characters of the Dark Crystal. Could you explain what exactly is a Skeksis? Uh, it's a very good question, and technically I'm not quite sure what, <laughs> what they are. I mean, they started off in, in some ways being um, deep sea fish, if you can imagine it. Um, but but the secret in the, in the film is the um, the relationship between the Skeksis and the Mystics, and so anatomically I had to change a few things, and so they moved out of being fish into more like some sort of prehistoric dinosaur bird. But mixed up in there is all sorts of things. When I'm working at my best, you look at something I've designed and you think you know what it is because it seems familiar. And then you go, oh, I don't know quite what that is. And that's, that's uh, when I'm, um, the images are working there at the best. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, the, that is what they look like. But also, I suppose, when you're designing a creature, it's not just about kind of like the visual things, but it's about the society that they come from and what they're sort of looking for in life. So how does that affect how you design a creature? Well, when we sort of kicked off, um, Jim had this idea of, of the sort of the rather um, esoteric, mystical aspect of what where we were moving the, the ideas uh, in the movie. Um, but the, the main drive was monsters. He loved monsters. So I was doing lots and lots of drawings originally in New York. Um, and between um, Jim and Frank Oz, um, it was always like, well, make it worse. <laughs> Just make it a bit more ugly, can you? And so um, that was our motivation, to make these the strangest thing you've ever seen. However, I'm also trying to uh, work with it in a way with the limitations because it's a puppet and about what puppets can and cannot do. And I absorbed so much uh, as quickly as possible of what the Muppets did well and then pushed it into this very strange area. Mm -hmm. And so a Skeksis actually does have, um, so you've got this incredible puppet with a sort of, as you say, a reptilian head, but there is actually a person operating it inside, right? Yes. I mean, we um, we did a lot of prototype work in the early days of just trying, especially me, like, gluing things <laughs> together. One of my things to try and get a feel for it was to take a lot of plastic soldiers and hot glue it all together and spray it gold. <laughs> And, and then did lots of beads and I glued things on onto our um, prototype um, creatures. And that just get a, a feel of this sort of uh, this ancient uh, rather Baroque feel to it. But as we were doing that, Jim's idea that they were probably going to be quite small. And we did a, a test and I said, Jim, these are too small. These really need to be big. They've got to have a, a, um, a presence. <laughs> To them, and also I think that because of what we need them to do, we need to put somebody in there, and he absolutely uh, agreed. And so we we mocked it up again, and then we realised well one person wasn't enough, <laughs> and so we had boy like three or four people eventually um, operating this, which meant that my designs had to um, change. Um, and a lot of my designing for um, all the movies I've done is really to hide um, the, the technicalities of it, but also in that way make it feel, though, that it's part of the character, that you, that you always believe it was supposed to look like that. Mm -hmm. And so we sort of jump forward then more than 30 years to now and suddenly Netflix are bringing Dark Crystal back with the, uh, the Resistance Age. I was just wondering, is the design process of creating uh, you know, a Skeksis in 2019, is it the same as it was back then? Um, basically, it hasn't changed. I mean, what has changed is um, we had to do it quicker. <laughs> um, and um, of course, the challenge is that we have uh, new characters mm -hmm. in, in the Netflix film. We have lots of new characters. And so um, I had to um, really get on with it and get, get the, you know, my, my pencil was on fire when I was <laughs> working on it, is to invent all these new shapes. And, and, but the joy was to invent new Skeksis um, and to make them part of the, the, our old um, range of characters are our old friends i mean we, in fact we had to rebuild everything and we had to make them um you know 
be the same as in the original film and we've done that but I think um, after all these years and with a with a great team we've um, transcended what we did originally it's actually everything is better than it ever was so visually you know technically I mean a lot of it's the same problems because puppets are puppets yeah. <laughs> as I say they don't do very much and, <laughs> and I said that when we were really getting on with filming in the first weeks I was saying that to the director and the, some of the puppeteers and everybody and they kept laughing at me because they thought I was joking and after two weeks when they were had like grey faces from the, from the strain of doing all this they said you weren't joking were you and I said no because what puppets do is what puppets do best but that's only a few things. And so the trick is to um, give the impression they can do everything. But that's really hard work. Yes, I can imagine And um, the puppeteers found out how hard that was and they did a magnificent job. And, and Louis, our director, was just amazing at what he did. I mean, I, I think we damn near broke him, <laughs> poor man. But uh, he was triumphant. Fantastic. Um, so you say that obviously you got, this was the chance to bring a lot more characters in because correct me if I'm wrong, in the original Dark Crystal there are nine Skeksis, right? And they all have fairly individual kind of characteristics that seem to be, they were influenced by the Seven Deadly Sins, right? Well, not really. I mean, that was, I think that's one of the things afterwards. Um, right. We, uh, they're very much themselves. Mm -hmm. I think it was just maybe it was a little um, something to hang our hats on sure. originally, but very soon they be, they they developed their own very very idiosyncratic personalities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so with your new characters, um, who, who have you brought to the table for this show? Um, I not I. You can't say too much. Can't obviously. really say too much, but mm -hmm. I have to say I'm really really proud of them they're actually just more disgusting than, than <laughs> ever um we had a, a huge amount of fun putting them together um and also it is it's a challenge um to um create new characters that fit in with, with a set that are already there and to make them fiercely individual mm -hmm. um and boy are they individual <laughs> Um, there was a wonderful moment on the set one morning where we were getting ready to do a big scene of all these characters all together and um, and I and I stood there and they were all just on their stands there was no puppeteers in it and I just looked at them and I thought boy these are seriously weird <laughs> and then I thought I did that yeah. And I was so proud of myself. <laughs> it was one of the best moments I've had in a long time. So do you sometimes look at a creature and sort of like almost scare yourself by the fact that like that design came out of my head? Yes, I get deeply worried about myself sometimes. <laughs> but um, but that's the power of puppetry, to actually see them in full, full flight, so to speak, that when they're moving, I mean, it is really frightening. I mm -hmm. mean, because they, um, when we, because they have... Uh, new costumes and there's armor and swords and um, they actually are quite dangerous as well so you've got to stand way back once they get going <laughs> yeah well, as you say the thing that I've always deeply adored about both Dark Crystal and Labyrinth is because it is puppetry um, I believe in these characters significantly more than I would do something that had been made with CGI on a computer 
And I feel like those personality traits do come out in the fact that they have been created for real. Um, in terms of when you were revisiting like the original Skeksis from, from the first film to recreate them for this, have you made any changes to their design? Uh, no. Um, the the Skeksis have um, a fundamental shape and it's actually um, based on Punch and Judy. Huh. Um, if you think about a Punch and Judy show, there is the fit-up, which is the, 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 the tall tent with a hole in the top, out of which Punch, um, as a figure, comes out of it. And so basically that's what a Skeksis is. His whole body and costume is the, is the, is the stage, and his head is Punch. And so um, that movement of punch and that, hum that movement of the head um, is very evocative because it, and, and it's very powerful. It's because inside that head is a human hand. And it's the, it's the most complex movement you can get. Over the years, um, puppetry has got, got more complicated and there's a lot more um, mechanics that go in, but that really often just gets in the way. The simpler you can make it, the more connected to a puppeteer, the more alive it comes. And it seems to me that in, in those movements that the puppeteer can do, it's all full of like ticks and tremors and things that are not quite right. And it's not mechanical. And it means that instinctively, I think us as a viewer really pick up on its humanity and it, and it appears to be alive. Whereas on CGI, often it's so smoothed out, mm -hmm. you can't really relate to it. You don't feel it has any life to it. And so I think what's exciting about doing the Netflix series is that we're going to get to see these puppets again. And I think people are going to be blown away because they haven't really seen anything like this in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I say that I think that because I actually only came to the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth when I was in my early 20s mm. and I came to it actually being from a stance I was sort of a bit fed up of seeing weightless CGI characters that weren't offering any soul to me and I found that in the creatures of Dark Crystal and Labyrinth very much and as you say because of the way they move because of the the human characteristics a puppeteer brings to a puppet. Mm. Um, when you're actually obviously sort of sitting down and sketching out a character, are you the way that you design them, are you actually coming up with the way they moved, even though like on a sketch pad they won't be moving? Have you got those kind of movements in mind? Um, very difficult to say at first. I mean, first of all, it's, they're, they're, they are abstractions. I just I work in like shapes mm -hmm. and forms and, uh, that are evocative. Um, and so... Um, now, having done Dark Crystal, I, I, it's still in the back of my mind about how that might work, how we are going to ma manipulate them. And so uh, a lot of my designs for all the other characters are really based on, on that idea, is that I've sort of figured out vaguely how you're going to do it. So again, my shapes and forms are there to try and hide how we do it. Um, because um, if, if you can get... So if you can get the movement right, it implies so much more. And so, um, so we've been, there were some major characters in the film, which I'm really proud of, which we originally were, was approached as CGI. 
and it really wasn't working and we went back to some really basic things and then one of the basic things in in now in the netflix things is something we actually odd enough couldn't have done in the original film because it's very hard to believe how old it is and we didn't have green screen mm-hmm. um and now we do and by using in various moments some green screen where we can hide the puppeteers we've gone back to oddly enough a purer form of puppetry mm-hmm. but it's more dynamic and 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 i think people are just going to get blown away i was anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and i know how it's done <laughs> yes yes you've you've seen behind the curtain <laughs> yeah. to, for lack of a better word um we've spoken quite a lot now about the the skexies uh, obviously they're only sort of one half of the broad picture of um the dark crystal um let's start again what is a gelfling <laughs> Well, they were originally in the original film. Um, our way of as a as a human being, as a viewer, to be in the, in a world that was so weird and strange, and 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 in many ways alien. Um, and Jim wanted something that was what he called classical, you know. Um, and we knew that there are certain limitations in puppetry, and at one stage we were pushing for something a bit more quirky but he said no I really want this um, thing that and our, that is, it is like us I mean so that was hard to design and even harder to manipulate uh, something that has uh, more human qualities mm-hmm. to it um, but and and that was difficult um, technically but boy we really needed it in a in a very odd looking film <laughs> um, and so um, everybody would be absolutely delighted to know that in our new one the Netflix one we have uh, many more of uh, Gelflings mm-hmm. so that- you, you've been able to sort of I guess a bit more explore them as a society rather than two of the final remaining characters yes and again that's a challenge because we have um, various tribes of them is to again differentiate them um, and say that they come from different places and they are they look different however they are similar mm-hmm. um, they dress differently but yet are similar and each one of them is individual and that was um, uh, was very challenging to do but but fun I mean it was just and I think people are going to really enjoy the costuming because part of my job in designing this and supervising the costumes is to give you more information. So you've got to feel something about the character when you see it at a distance. You seem to, you need to have to know almost instantly what that is and, and, and what, it's, what its character might be. And as you come in closer, and you see the costume and you see more details of the costume, you get more information. Subtly, there are things in, the, in, in what the costumes are, seem to be made of, um, what the detailing is, what sort of decoration. And you, you find out more of what the characters are because that's really important um, in puppets that do, as I say, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so in the costuming, we're doing an awful lot and that's what's going to make this series I think quite extraordinary for people because it's very rich in its um, textures um, and its iconography 
um, and uh, and people are, are going to um, like they did in the original film be able to spend a long time reviewing it just looking again and again and finding out more because there's always going to be um, little things in the corners because yeah. that's what we, we snuck in which we did in the first film we had lots of little creatures and we've certainly got lots of we were desperately making more and more creatures at the, at the last minute uh, and my wife Wendy was um, doing a lot of that out of scraps of things we would find in, you know, in the waste paper bins and we would glue it together and put some feathers on and spray it and, <laughs> um, and a lot of the things that were meant to be in the background we would just show Louis, the director, and he'd say, oh, that's great. We'll put that in the foreground. So um, there are all sorts of things that are um, writhing and twitching and doing weird things in this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, uh, let's focus a little bit on the Resistance Age. When were you approached to say, sort of like, we're bringing this beloved film back for Netflix? Mm. Well, over the years, there's been lots of... Um, Attempts as of doing something which have have always failed, and I've, I, and in the, those times, I've always designed something, and it, it it would always fall through for one reason or not. And um, but I think the genius of Netflix was to commission it, but not only just to commission it, but actually say, we want puppets because every other thing uh, previously had been either you know some sort of animation or but never the pure puppetry we did in the first films and so um i'd started to talk to the workshop in in new york before it, it was just muted this might happen and i had lots of creative uh discussions and um there's one day when i got a call and and the voice at the, at the end was saying, I thought I, I thought they were ill. I said, Are you all right? <laughs> and he said, No, Netflix have just commissioned it. It's a go. And I went, Oh my goodness, what what are we going to do now? <laughs> and um, but it was so exciting. But it was because we just had to. I mean, when we did it. There was the, we did it in an extraordinarily short period of time, ten episodes. Um, and it was all, you know, all hands to the pump that we had to, you know, I had to immediately get on with some designs and we had to all, you know, immediately started make hands and make, started trying to sculpt heads. Um, and it was a miracle that it all came together. <laughs> <laughs> and often it came together, I mean, because there were so many creatures to make, it would come together the, the night before um, because it was, it was so complicated and so many things to make. We had so many people making stuff. Um, we we would get it together, and off and often it would be um, my son Toby and myself, you know, about six thirty in the morning, and our hands and knees in front of a, a member of a Skeksis, you know, aging it down, gluing things on, just trying to finish it off for nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> because once it's on for the first time, it's on forever. Mm -hmm. You can't change it. Um, and it, part of the challenge of all these things is that there are designs, but the, but we are. I'm constantly supervising the sculpting um, of, the, of the artifacts and, and the costuming, and, and it's all in pieces. And it'll come together briefly every so often. You know, we check it's all going to be all right, and then it comes apart again. So, indeed, that one moment before it gets on set for the first time is probably the the only time we've really seen it. And then, of course, it's on for a few minutes, and then it 
comes apart again because <laughs> everything is in bits. Because mm-hmm. you have to do that to get people in and out of costumes and and to um, you know repair things. So. Yeah, you've mentioned now your son and your wife. Has it kind of become a family sort of little enterprise to create mad creatures? Well, we uh, just to let me know, my my son Toby was Toby the baby in Labyrinth. Right. So um, he was in at the deep end with puppetry and David, <laughs> dancing with David Bowie. David Bowie, <laughs> and. Um, so he's grown up with that, and so he's been, you know, been working for Leica, and, and then also making his own creatures, making his own films, and so we we brought him on board because he could. He was uh, an easier way for people to um, translate what I was doing because mm-hmm. he's versed in my language, and so. Um, there were, in the early days, when we were when they were starting to build things in in. California and I was still in England what they were doing was really odd I thought it's why is it wrong couldn't figure out why it was mm-hmm. wrong and um, I suddenly realized um, I said to Toby why don't you just tell them that I mean what I draw and what they were doing was like tidying my drawings up right trying to make everything even they thought I was just just you know a bit in my dotage and it was just wonky drawings well the drawings were meant to be wonky because <laughs> everything's meant to be organic yes. and asymmetrical and once they got that we were off and it's and everything they were starting to do was just magical and so to have him on board and and supervising that that and being in in england when we were filming and still building as we were filming um meant that he he's he's a very hands-on person and the thing i think that's most exciting about making puppets it, it is all hands-on mm-hmm. you know it's not still in somebody's head on somebody's computer it's for real and that's it, the real stuff in front of you and and you know it's working and you don't or it's not working because you can see it and and you've got to finish it you've got to like put a surface on it it's got to look it's got to look real and he was really good at that and so to be working with my son Toby and working with my wife Wendy, who was one of the you know the original builder of Yoda, and also puppeteered Yoda's ears, um, to have her on board and, and making creatures, and you know just checking on the girlflings was great. It was just the uh, to, to the privilege of working as a family, and also they're all good at it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and they're also much calmer than I am. <laughs> they're much more polite than I am, and so um, it was. They, we, as a, t- we made a great team. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, you've mentioned how sort of like obviously there was um, some. You were as important to Labyrinth as you were to the Dark Crystal. Just wondering what briefly is the difference in terms of from a design perspective between the world of the Dark Crystal and the world of Labyrinth. Well, the the major thing difference was um, human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the the one of the major things Jim said to me. I want to put some humans in it this time, and um, and we we I guess we tried to sort of lighten it up a bit. And I started design immediately. And in my head, uh, when our first compos- conversation in the limousine with Jim, because you know we were never going to do another film ever again because it exhausted us five years on Dark Crystal. So here we were, just agreeing we're going to do it again. And so I I came up with the ideas of 
goblins and labyrinths and things like that. So he said, that sounds great. And I came back to England and I painted a picture of a baby surrounded by goblins. And that was the start of labyrinths. And then I did more and more paintings of characters, always in the back of my mind, knowing that they were either going to be somebody in a costume or they were a puppet. And out of that, they started to develop the, the script. And it's sort of because of my sensibilities as an artist and influences, it, it moved much more towards Alice in Wonderland. Um, and once we got Terry Jones from Monty Python on board, he totally understood all my references. Mm -hmm. And he really, um, he brought more characters in that were hidden away in my sketchbooks. And, um, and so it has a different feel. Um, to it, I think when we had finished the film, maybe disappointed. I thought, well, you know, every time you finish something, you go, well, was that it? Mm -hmm. You know, what you mean is that I guess I can't do any more. Um, you know, we, we can't do any more. We, we, we're done now. And I th but what we miss completely is is its resonance that it's had over all the years is that there's a constant g new generations of teenage girls that really relate to it, really seem to um, understand it's part of their inner world. And I think we touched on something we hadn't, we didn't know we were doing at the time. And I'm really delighted about its longevity as well. So there's been two films I've worked on that, um, you know, because Dark Crystal was not in its, in its day um, when they pulled it out of the cinemas after a week. Well, the main thing, because we were up against E.T., so right. who, could, who could compete with E.T.? But once it came out on um, you know, VHS, on tape, it just had this life of its own and, and become this cult film. Absolutely. And, and, and so, especially Dark Crystal, is that I think it was ahead of its time. People were expecting something because it was Muppets, that they didn't get because it was darker and stranger and also films weren't being made quite like that with its very esoteric quality to it but now people are and I think it's its day has come again mm -hmm. and I think people will realize about how pioneering it really was mm, I think the thing that brought me to it as I say it wasn't until my 20s I'd actually been watching uh, Guillermo de Toro's films and so it was Pan's Labyrinth and I was looking for films mm. like that that obviously that is more um, humans in prostheses but has got elements of puppetry to it mm. and finding this was a real kind of find on the yeah. other side uh, I was just wondering um, to kind of finish our conversation um, what is your favourite thing that you've ever worked on as an individual character across these films that's very very hard to say <laughs> it's like uh, asking to pick your children I suppose it is and I don't like doing that but however I think it is the Skeksis as mm -hmm. a as a, uh, a character and in, indeed if you I think the in the original film the eating scene mm -hmm. as a, a three minute segment of movie is one of the most extraordinary things I've seen and I think it stands up against, against world cinema, and it's it's like some Europe, you know, <laughs> European uh, film. Um, and indeed, I saw once um, a clip from it all, and it was all in Italian, <laughs> and it was perfect. 
I mean, it just seems that that's what you know. It's influences. It's almost people. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's costuming. It's the Medici's, and it's you know evil popes and <laughs> uh, all that. And so um, I'm very proud of that. But I'm 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 really proud of the fact that um, Jim Henson was was the, an extraordinary man who invited me to be on on board. With that and he had no idea I could do this he had no idea I could make things or and and I had no idea either and he just created a space that all of us that made these films and right now on the Netflix one have been um, able to step into and we all feel privileged that we're part of his heritage absolutely Brian it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you oh, it's been fun thank you very much thank you There he was, Mr. Froud. What a lovely chat you had, Matt. It was beautiful. It was a wonderful time. What's your favourite learning? Learning? Well, so the fact that his son um, works for for Leica, because Leica is one of my favourite studios, Mm. partially because, like, I adore anything that's done physically, so sort of like, Mm. all right, (laughs) I saw you with your little eyebrows. (laughs) You're a pig. (laughs) And I hope you lose the game I'm about to play with you. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Yeah, I'm more of a more of a mental person <laughs> than physical. That's why quiz games are good for me. Mind games. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Peter Gorbett, who we are familiar with. He says, "Hi guys, long time listener, multiple time writer." Don't show off. Uh, and he says, "Great show at 500. Thank you very much." Uh, no worries. We haven't talked about it too much. No, I was saying thank you very much to him. No, no worries. Anyway, I had an idea for an endless search quiz inspired by a Netflix email which failed to load properly. It's called Lost the Plot. He says it can work in two ways. I will present both of these to you. I've got a preference. (laughs) One, you present the plot of an obscure film and people have to suggest what the film could be called. The closest person wins. Bonus points for getting it exactly right. Two, you give them the name of the movie and then they must guess the plot from the title alone. The closest person wins. Bonus points for getting Mm. it exactly right. Personally, I prefer I give you the title and you make up. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, when we were playing that game Psych on our phone. It is quite like Psych. You have to make up boulder dash answers for, except uh, you're trying titles. to unboulder dash yourself yeah, trying to get it right I'm not trying to be funny do you want to try this yeah, yeah let's yeah. go you can, be, you can be right and funny can't you you can yeah uh, i'm gonna be adjudicating i'm gonna try and just do it based on you know yeah. how well you've done we'll take but turns to go first i've got a few ideas for like keywords that if you hit you might okay. nudge yourself up okay should we have like yeah let's Go snappy. I'm going to hear the title and just yeah. roll with it. I've got five films. Okay. Number film Number film one. Number <laughs> film one. <laughs> number film one. Imagine if I actually know the film. I, well, Bonus one of these of- I am worried you do, but that's kind of part of the game, right? Okay. The Red Sea Diving Resort. Hmm. Right. So this is a film 
made by a guy that a desperately start. wants to be Wes Anderson. So it's <laughs> so it's got kind of like this this sort I of see. aesthetic with like almost faux sixties, and it is about a a boy that's on holiday with his parents, and uh, he turns up at the was it the Red Sea diving the Red resort, sea diving resort. Um, because he's got no friends and he thinks he can make friends there, and he meets a girl there and she's the love of his life, and he tries to do diving to impress her. I'd watch that film over the whatever this one is. <laughs> um, I think this is sort of a kind of a madcap take on uh, the what's the Marigold Hotel film? Best exotic <laughs> yeah. Marigold Hotel. It's kind of a some an OAP resort, and this man who's never had love in his life kind of falls into the Red Sea one day and is rescued by a mermaid. It's got bits of splash in it. So then he becomes a mermaid himself and ends up uh, proposing to her by a lovely coral reef. And the film ends. And you never know if he finds true love or not. Okay. Despite the fact he's proposed to her. The yeah, Red it sea. ends, you don't know. Oh, right. The Red Sea Diving Resort no. is a film with Chris Evans and the man who mays, plays Chris. Omar in The Wire. <laughs> what? And it is. Undercover agents open up a fake hotel to real tourists. This isn't a comedy, by the way. As a cover to help smuggle thousands of Ethiopian refugees to safety. What? Inspired by true events. <laughs> So, How do I not know this film exists? I know. <laughs> it's mad. Well, uh, who was closer? <laughs> well, that's what I'm worried about. You've both it mentioned can be hotels. It's neither of us were. I'm going to say... Mm, no. Neither no of points us for were, anyone. Neither of us were really close. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for any of my keywords, but I couldn't find yeah, any. I'd so. watch my one. Yeah. I'd watch yours as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, right. Hurricane Bianca from Russia with hate. So is that colon? Colon from Russia with hate. I think this is a kind of a Sharknado sort well, I was of film. Sharknado. It's a big old disaster that the Russians in a near future world have created this giant like weather weapon just calls like <laughs> been where they just command and conquer where they just <laughs> where they just send this storm onto America to try and take over the country via communist <laughs> bombs. Okay. okay. <laughs> communist bombs. <laughs> weather bombs. Yeah. I think this is the true story of um, a group of people in Latvia. How dare you? Don't drag my people into this. <laughs> that were suffering from the Hurricane Bianca, which was uh, potentially, <laughs> potentially Putin uh, decided. So you know how um, apparently if we throw nuclear bombs into hurricanes, we could stop them. So Putin throws a nuclear bomb into a hurricane, but it, it doesn't stop it. It just sends it into Latvia. Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I've chosen a winner, but it is tenuous. When Texas teacher Richard is lured to Russia under false pretenses by his enemy Deb, his drag alter ego Bianca soon, a comedy show, soon turns the country upside down. Uh, I'm going to give it to you, Cardi, because you said the word America and it's about a Texan. <laughs> so wow. there you go, one point. I, I mean, yeah, that's it. Shallow, hollow victory, that one, isn't it? <laughs> this one's called The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. Go on, Matt. Th- this is... I feel like I may have heard... I've heard this. See, I think I know someone who's watched... I definitely know someone who's watched this because Stop they're stalling. super... Um, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is about Sherlock Holmes's Bold. attempt to get... 
what's his love interest called? Oh, fucking like what's her name? Oh, uh, Adler. Ad- yeah, Irene, Irene Adler. Adler. Um, he's he's desperately trying to get Irene Adler back into his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets a colony of bees. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's a, that's yep. a letter. Yes, yes. <laughs> Come on. And makes her some delightful honey, which he puts into little custom jars. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You're so weird. <laughs> um, I'm going to go that this is actually quite a serious biopic of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. and it's about the creation of Sherlock Holmes as a character. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had a really interesting life. He was like a sportsman. He was uh, kind of almost. He was in the army, I think, mm-hmm. as well. I think it's just a biopic of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and it's not funny at all, and doesn't have any honey in. Well, unfortunately, somehow Matt wins. <laughs> what? Oh, God. <laughs> The boredom that normally plagues Sherlock Holmes between cases evaporates when a ballerina asks him to become the father of her child. (laughs) Wow. You had a bit of, well, it was an actual Sherlock Holmes story, sort of, (laughs) with bees in it. Bees and honey. (laughs) And there was a love interest, so there you go. One all. This one's just called Climax. I think this might be a Gaspar Noé film about sex. And that's what I'm going to say. Okay. I think I've listened to Mark Kermo talk about Climax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which wow. Is a, <laughs> which what, is what a Gasper Noé film, yeah. which apparently is absolute fucking bullshit. Um, I can't remember what it was about, though. It's about climaxing. Is it just, is it just like Nymphomaniac? Yeah, but I don't think it's a horror film. I think it's just about people who It's just about people, having though. Sex. Are you yeah. looking it up? No, no, I just... <laughs> If anybody wants to know, my uh, my he also, shipment has just turned oh, up. <laughs> he, uh, he also made Love, I believe, film, if that's any extra context for the bonus I, I mean, currently, somehow, Cardi's winning because he said anything about the film. You just said you heard a review of it. I thought you might both know what this is, but it has an amazing description, so I wanted to read it. In a remote building, sensuous revelries descend into infernal chaos as dancers rehearsing for tour realise their sangria is spiked. <laughs> is it a Gaspar Noé film? It is a Gaspar Noé film. Of course it is. Um, so I think Perf. it's yeah. I think it's like a load of sexy dancers drink yeah. LSD spiked sangria and, sex. and then do some. It's th- just soft bad sex. Yeah, he does a bit of that, doesn't he? Yeah. What's oh, the one that he made before Love? Was it Was it Love? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's two. I haven't seen either. Uh, he did Enter the Void as well, didn't he? Yeah. Which people talked about a lot. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of related to. <laughs> could be. Yeah. Uh, with Gasper, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's 2 1 to Cardi. You could wrap it up Ooh, by right. telling me the Matt's plot. going first, though. You yeah. Nick it. By telling me the plot to Deli Belly. <laughs> <laughs> this is. A this is a documentary, but it's a fun documentary <laughs> mm-hmm. um, about um, the man from um, Uncle. <laughs> no, man from Man vs. Food. Oh yeah, but he, he's given up on the Americas, so he goes to Delhi and he's going around trying. And it's a bit like Chef, but mm-hmm. um, it's all set in Delhi, and he's just getting 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 it on with different foods. <laughs> <laughs> It's always that extra little <laughs> sprinkle of something, isn't that? Um, Custom jars. I'm going for this to be quite a poor British comedy kind of world's endy, but it's more about a group of lads reuniting to to really make it the whole way through the curry mile. <laughs> well, Cardi's got it because of the group of lads. Right. The film is 
a Bollywood film. And it's Should have guessed that. three flatmates get involved in the shady business belonging to one roomie's fiance and discover that a gro- global crime syndicate is gunning for them. Wow. But it's set up like it's a drama called yeah. Delhi Belly. <laughs> Delhi uh, Belly. So there you go. That's 3 1 to Carly. Wow. I quite like that. Game. Ryan, well, you should be Ryan Films, you're mad, Ed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if that's what you come up with in a second, it's <laughs> a beautiful Sherlock Holmes honey business. based Sherlock film. It's unbelievable. Uh, Robert Downey had come out of <laughs> retirement for that. Unbelievable. I loved it. Lovely. You know what We've else got I love? Fe- feedback. Do you like feedback? Love it. Oh, Big time. I think I've got the first bit. You have. I've got one here from James Sterling Wilson who says, Hey, lads. Hello. You going to say hello, Matt? Hello. Well done. <laughs> With the announcement of the new Bond title, I was wondering who you all thought should perform slash write the theme. I love this I question. Th- I've often thought about this. Yeah. What was I, sorry? What did you say? Who should perform the theme to No Time to Still Die? Got, oh, mind right. on honey, have you? Yes. You're not um, allowed to say churches, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I know you're going to say churches. <laughs> They're doing Death Stranding music, aren't they? Mm. Oh, we, well, of course oh, they are, because yeah, they hang out with him. Um, it says, "I found writing on the wall to be positively skin crawling, and even worse, knowing they reject Radiohead's brilliant Spectre. Spectre is it's a banger. Good. Do you know what? We'll play a bit of that at the end. That's a great idea. Because it should have been. Uh, following the trend of picking the hot new thing in music, I honestly believe that. Billie Eilish will be given the nod and honestly I can imagine that being pretty cool yeah I've never I've listened to bits and bobs of hers it's not for me but I get it she's I, got, I like Lord, and it's kind of that yeah. sort mm-hmm. of vibe she's got that like as good in my opinion low toned like thing that would work really well for a Bond yeah uh, it asks what are your thoughts and can they honestly choose anyone worse than Sam Smith I don't think they could personally I mean, I don't really like <laughs> no, Sam Smith. The answer's um, Lana Del Rey, though, isn't it? That was my answer. <laughs> if you're going for the traditional Bond, I think you go Lana Del Rey because yeah. her voice is incredible. Yeah. She's got a new song out, actually. She's got, got, got an album, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I think her first album is brilliant. And I think she would be able to write a very good Bond song. If you're going a bit more left field, also album out today, Tool. <laughs> I that's bananas. <laughs> no, because they can do some. They can do some stuff. No time to die. They could write a song called No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it needs to be their usual 12 minute mm-hmm. prog metal epic, but they can. They could do something tasty. <clears throat> that is left field. Get Maynard on it. Uh, just because you've had proper answers, yeah. I would go extra left field. Have you ever heard of a band called Timber Tombra? <laughs> no, but it sounds <laughs> they're, like a wanky they're, band. Oh, they're fucking amazing. They make like evil lounge music. Mm-hmm. They're really good and Canadian. Uh, mm. Is and that going to move numbers? It would if they, because what basically I think they could do, they do really sort of dark but beautiful arrangements and mm-hmm. I reckon it would work really well for Bond if you oh. if you like good music listen to Timber Tombra they're wicked yeah uh, you just going with Lana any more choices I, don't, I was oh, trying to think good. of like a, le- a left fielder imagine Mogwai just did just, there was no no yeah. sound like just no lyrics to it, it was just just an instrumental yeah. yeah I would actually be up for that just get ready had to do it just Give Johnny Greenwood just yeah. making noises just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who else oh, there's got to be there's, good there's answers for this good answers uh, who else would be good because <laughs> I'm still amazed that Radiohead even bothered mm-hmm. and it is it sounds like an actual so good, good Bond track have you seen there's a good YouTube video that someone's done actually cutting it the opening of Spectre Ooh, to it that. oh really and it fits perfectly it should have been that do you know what would be great is mm-hmm. if they just did this one instead like if they just redeemed yeah, exactly, them yeah. and let them, them do go. it, they'd nail it. Come but yeah, on, let guys. us know who you'd like for 
the Bond theme that is good. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Have you ever thought of composing something, Cardi? Um, I, do you know what? I am someone who loves music and I listen to a lot of music. I do not know an instrument and I can't sing. It's, I mean, music is not within me. You, mm. you said that you can't do dialogue, but you still applied to be Bond. So well, that is true. <laughs> yeah, well, you've That's, got to know what you can do. We haven't <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. When Cardi went to uh, Jamaica, Jamaica yeah. he pitched to literally everyone from Bond to Barbara Broccoli <gasps> yeah. to I play Bond. some balls out of somewhere. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, at the time, you were sending me those videos back yeah. whilst you were there, and I was crying <laughs> laughing. It was so good. Oh, oh man. I'm very happy I did it, and it's finally out, like, six months later. Well, because we've been waiting for them to announce the title, and, and then, then they did it while we were away. <laughs> I know, so I had to wait two days. But, yeah, if you haven't watched that, I'd appreciate you watching it. It's very much. Gen Bond If audition. you love Cardi, and why wouldn't you? It's... <laughs> I think among your greatest work. There we go. Thanks, my I am now Bond. Yeah. Right. Correspondence number two. <laughs> Is it Chris correspondence? <laughs> no. It's it. not. I've left it out. There was one yeah. good Chris thing, but I thought, let's have a week off. Yeah. Should we give people the warning? If you if the email is now purely about crisps, it probably won't get read out. But if you have a little bit of crisp subtext to an otherwise valid point, mm-hmm. feel free. Gary Lineker for Bond. <laughs> That's your crisp subtext. <laughs> Right. Hi, guys. Big fan of the pod and your chat, but I have a question about a certain development to come out of the web. He's put web in. I wonder what this might be about. As you know, in the last week, Spider-Man has been revealed to possibly be leaving the MCU, but then later reports say that he was staying and possibly even Venom could be joining. At time of writing, nothing is finalised, but I wanted your opinion on the best way to move forward for Spidey <laughs> if he does in fact leave the MCU. I thought he was just going to write the best way to move forward in life <laughs> yeah. after this news. I'm going to struggle, it really annoyed uh, me. Who, who was that from? Uh, so hold on, I haven't finished yet. Okay. Scott has more to say. Okay. For me, it's, nice it's such a disappointment for a character that was finding a whole new generation of fans in the new films. Thanks, guys. And I know that you don't like the Crips chat anymore, but anyone who <laughs> likes salt and vinegar is a sociopath and should leave. Wow. There, I said it. Much salt and vinegar is an essential and beloved flavor. I tell you what, I had some uh, the the roughly... Um, McCoy's? No, not the roughly McCoy's. The roughly um, Tyrrell's crisps the other day. Oh, okay. They were just straight salt and vinegar, but they were damn good. Okay. Fair play to him. I yeah, think good. ruffles often hold in the flavour a little more. Mm-hmm. I like them. Mm. Anyway, Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I called this oh. on the big fat preview of 2018. Oh, really? Apparently, 2018? I said, apparent, yeah. Apparently, oh. I said that he was going to leave after the second film. Wow. Why would I have ever said that? What was I thinking? Have you so ever considered fault? a career at the precog unit? No, <laughs> I haven't, but I have considered a career here where I'm going to predict <laughs> that all of this is a Disney smokescreen. They're pushing for a better deal and it will be fine. I think it's something that will be fine because I don't believe that that meant that people like that will want to leave that much money on the table. <laughs> no, it's it, the only way it's... The only other thing I can see happening yeah. is Sony makes another one without connecting yeah. to, to the MCU and everyone hates it. Yeah. And then they kind of go back hand Unless in hand. it's got deeply personal between Feige and everyone. And they I really, don't think but it, how Money talks. Yeah, it just seems mad. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is, is like, let's, let's just accept that it just doesn't work out. And yeah. now Sony are making... Sony have made the last two Spider-Man films. They were really good. Yeah, like mm. the it's a it, there's a deal, mm-hmm. and like Feige has been involved and stuff like that. But fundamentally, like those hires were done from from the Sony side of stuff. Yeah. right. It was mm-hmm. Amy Pascal, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The Sony producer mm-hmm. who does a lot of that stuff. So let's just accept that there have been two very very good Spider-Man films, and 
you know, the Avengers have broken up now, you know, mm. for the time being. Like, mm-hmm. I don't actually think we need him to be connected to the... Like, you can keep it in your head canon that it's the same universe, mm. but really, I don't mind a few Spider-Man films that and they, aren't... Yeah, I mean, like, they can get round a lot of it for reasons that I can't go into without spoiling the last <laughs> film, and I won't do no. that yeah, yet. Yeah. No. But there are ways around it. And keeping it, and they own all the Spider-Man villains I think as well. Plenty yeah. of time, what we wouldn't be expecting another Spider-Man for at least like three years, would we? No, anyway? no, yeah, there's, there's plenty of time on the table to get it sorted out. And I say, even if it doesn't, and let's say like they do sort it out in six, seven years, there can be another film drop in that yeah. is just a sequel to what we've had, yeah, and that deals with the problems that that film yeah. set up. It doesn't need the, like those problems that it's setting up. I don't think are particularly yeah. hampered. I was by wondering being where there. the rights, the line is. Like, say they just. Say they, the MCU still wanted Tom Holland. Could they just get him to become like Iron Man or something? Just that just character, never, but they like just never to, refer to him as Pete. Yeah, they'd just, never be able to refer to him by a name. Where is the rule? Mm-hmm. Like, is he locked in for that, or can he become a different character? I'm guessing there's quite a few lawyers looking into yes. that very <laughs> issue. But the mad thing I read the other day is that come Sony, Night Monkey. So yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Sony owns like a thousand characters. It's bonkers yeah. how many Spider-Man characters yeah. there are. Um, so yeah, you, you're right. Maybe we should be a little more positive than we are being. Yeah, but I'm still sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's also the fact that kind of like Disney have a lot of money. Do, do they really? I mean, I know that they do because yeah. it's literally their jobs to make money. Yeah. But like, it it wouldn't be for the sake of the fans. Mm. It wouldn't be a lot for them to let this no. slide. No. But we'll probably get Spider Verse two before then anyway. We almost certainly will. And yeah. there's all those Phil Lord and Chris Miller TV programs going mm. as well. Damn. That's gonna be good. Uh, right. Moving on to the final piece of correspondence. It's from James Clark. Says, I'm a couple of episodes behind as I was away on my honeymoon. Congratulations. Uh, But recently listened to episode 497, where you touched briefly upon gaming marathons. I wanted to get in touch as it reminded me of one of my fondest memories growing up with a mate who I now don't see very often. He was over at mine one day and we decided after tea, as we had nothing else on, we'd try and complete the excellent Medal of Honor Rising Sun one last time before we both went our separate ways to uni. To make this more challenging, we thought it would be hilarious if we could compete the whole game whole game using only the melee button. Pistol whipping, as we called it back in the day. <laughs> Sounds like you're from the 40s. Uh, whilst this was impossible for the first mission, where you were confined to gunboats during Pearl Harbor, we were eventually successful in completing the rest of the game without firing a shot, just knocking everyone out. We completed the final mission and felt like a true band of brothers, only to discover it was now 5.30 in the morning and we'd been whipping all night like the crazy <laughs> bastards we were. We've all been there. Whipping all night. <laughs> I know Rob occasionally listens to the pod and I'd love to hear, I'd love him to hear this and be reminded of the good old days. That's nice. The whipping days. The whipping days. <laughs> Do you remember a whip, Rob? A whip in the night. <laughs> uh, and that's basically the end of his story. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Uh, he also said, I've got so much more to chat to you guys about, particularly as you made me watch The Prestige for the first time. He doesn't say whether he liked it, but you better mm. have James, so don't bother writing back. But that can come later. I've never written into anything before, so I'm hoping this gets the nod. It did. It did. And we make his Saturday walks fly by. Where are you oh. walking, James? You've got you lead a very pastoral and lovely life, I think. Yeah. Everything Wh- whipping on walks. Your whole life seems tinged with the yeah. sunlight. I've still got next Monday and Tuesday off, so maybe I'll have a nice walk and do some whipping. Play Medal of Honor Rising Sun. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? In honour of the whipping boys. Too much fire emblem to play, nothing, nothing yeah, else on the not. mind. There's too much going on in there. Yeah. Right. Lovely. Speaking of, should yes. we get her out of here so you can play some more Fire Emblem on yeah, your week off? Yeah, I'd like to. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, and here's some Radiohead because there's never a bad time for Radiohead. Absolutely not. Except, I don't know. 
your grand's funeral <laughs> or that's well, actually probably more fitting than like a birthday party you're not playing Radiohead at your birthday party are you uh, unless it's like Lotus Flower and you can get yeah, a weird exactly. little jig on what if it's House of Cards and you're yeah. like you're not playing I ex- don't want to be your friend <laughs> you're not playing exit music for a film at your birthday are you you would play that at a funeral well you play it at mine play it at mine, mine. <laughs> here's Spectre bye which will also be at my funeral bye